everyone. This is Dave DeBoe with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And today I'm very excited to be talking with a real estate entrepreneur, rock star, Dylan Suter. Dylan, how are you doing today? How's life treating you? Phenomenal, Dave. Really appreciate you having me on and looking forward to uh, busting in and share, hopefully sharing some insights and inspiring some uh, budding real estate entrepreneurs. Well, I tell you what, it's pretty inspirational what you've done in a very short period of time. So if you haven't listened to Dylan on any other podcast, if you're not familiar with him, this guy is is taking it by storm. We we're just talking a little bit off camera here. Did you say you're up to around 300 doors right now in your portfolio and you've done this in about the last two, two and a half years? Is 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 that the time frame that we're looking at? Uh, you know, a little funny story is our first property was supposed to close October 3rd of 2018. It didn't. I, I should say our first partnership property got a couple before then it didn't because the guy actually passed away so we had to go through probate but our first closing officially was October 10th of 2018 and we're about 300 doors now in since then and, and here we are in mid 2020. Oh, that's fantastic so Dylan you're you're not just a real estate entrepreneur although that seems to be a big part of what you're doing you're also a, a realtor as well you've got your own team of real estate agents so Tell us a little bit about your background and your journey and how the hell did you, you know, get going so quickly and, you know, scaling up so fast with your real estate investments? There's uh, yeah, you told me you got 15, 20 minutes to burn through this. So I'll do a really high level overview and I'm happy to discuss that further with anyone who's interested. However, I come from a background, my mother and father split up at a young age. My mom was, was very street smart, as we'll call it, and went down the mortgage broker path and, and had a lot of the Scotiabank and the mortgage broker. And my dad was very book smart, as you call it. So he was very good with studying and, and just never really applied it in, in the world. And so I had a bit of both. And I kind of say I took the best from both growing up. And I learned more about private mortgages and B lenders. And my mom ended up saying, ah, and went mortgage broker because she couldn't stand me not going to Scotia anymore. But when I knew my dreams and aspirations were to, to grow a larger portfolio than Scotiabank would like, and I knew it wouldn't fit in that little box, that little bubble. I said, you know what? It's time to explore. So I uh, went on my own and, and committed to education for about three years before I started really going big on real estate investing and learned a ton and connected with the right people. And here we are a couple years later and a few hundred doors later. So were you a realtor first or a real estate investor first? Or did they kind of come together at the same time? I stumbled upon being a real estate investor because buying more than one property, two or three of them, and had being a landlord sounded like a really cool idea when I was in my teens. So I stumbled across it initially, spent a few years kind of learning from by mistake, doing trial by fire before I jumped into the education piece. And then once I did the education piece, I got my real estate license to represent myself and then found that I, I really had a passion for sharing that information with others and, and kind of helping them create their dreams and make their dreams a reality. All right, so walk us through how the heck in, in a, such a short period of time, a couple of years, you started without very many properties and you built up a portfolio of around 300 doors at this time. And, and one of the things that you've got down here is you didn't use any of your own money and you've got no money joint venture partners. So I'm, I'm trying to get my pea brain around what the hell that exactly means. So why don't you walk us through that? Well, I'm sure you've heard the analogy of the iceberg. And so the top of the iceberg that you're talking about right now is that year and a half, that two years of the success piece of things, like actually owning the properties, actually closing on the properties. There's a whole lot under that iceberg that I could go into for hours. 
But I would say the biggest piece is the the knowledge portion of things. And yeah. I'm sure you know Rain. They talk about time, money, and knowledge. That knowledge piece is something that is very often forgotten about. And as I just mentioned, I spent three hours. I've been to a number of your courses. I've been to a number of Stefan's courses. I've been to a number of American courses, Peace Fire, all kinds of different things that I've, that I've done to these courses to educate myself. And that's the, the below the water level. And so when you see that short period of time and that large scaling, I just got tired of learning and said, it's time to apply. And I found, I found the people I wanted to be in business with. And I got to attribute a lot of my success to one of my largest big, actually my largest big business partner, Robbie, and just really taking something that he had been developing for a few years prior and just blowing it up. And so when you ask about no, none of our own like money partners and going into how we do it, well, I have one property. It's a 32 unit apartment building that we'd have a money partner on and he has a third of the building. It's actually my cousin. When it comes to the stuff that I have with Robbie, which is about 200 doors of what we have, it's him and I are 50-50 partners on everything that we own. And neither of us have put any of our own capital in. It's all private lenders. And so that was part of the education piece that I, I did the under the iceberg, under the water piece, where I was looking at it and I kept hearing about joint ventures and joint ventures and joint ventures. And I was like, there's got to be another way. Like giving 50% of something to someone just for them to have money involved in it and not to be any, like not a mentor, not a coach, not, no involvement in that built that property. It just didn't seem like the only option. And so I said, well, what if I end up finding a way to pay more short-term, but have more long-term or to, like I, I say it a lot, instead of one plus one equals two, it's one plus one equals 11. Like how do Robbie and I both have the same mindset and the same end goal and we're committed to getting there no matter what it takes. And so that's the piece that has made us, that allowed us to scale as quickly is making sure that instead of having a money partner, that maybe their goal is, is 10 million in holdings or 5 million in holdings or three properties, and then having to find more and more money partners, go down the same learning and growth piece. I find one person that I get to grow with through the whole process. And that's really allowed us to continue to grow at such a large pace. So, All right. So you're not using joint venture partners in the sense of the normal use of that term. You're using hard money lenders or private lenders. Is that correct? Yes. So, so if you don't mind, Dylan, just to kind of, again, flesh this out a little bit. So let's say you're looking at a single family home. What's, what's the, in the markets that you're focusing on, what's the typical price point on the kind of properties you guys are buying? I just finished a call before we got on this call and I'm not going to say the markets because we've, we've okay. seen drive enough of our own, our own competition in there. But really what we look at is we have a specific price point in a market for our main market, which is St. Catharines, under 300,000. We buy at 300,000, we renovate for 100,000, it's worth 500,000. Really oh, high level. Yeah. So you can look at that and say, okay, well, 400,000 of 500,000 is 80% loan to value. And if I'm going to go and buy for 300,000 and I'm going to buy with a joint venture partner, that person's going to put all the capital in, whether they get an A lending mortgage and cover the cost, or they're going to buy it in cash. They're going to put the 300,000 to buy it in. They're also going to put the 100,000 to renovate it in. We're going to refinance. They're getting their 400,000 back. And they're sitting on a property that they don't have to manage, they don't have to worry about, they got all their capital back and they get that asset for forever. What we said we were going to do is instead of paying two or three or 4% through an A lender or even a B lender, how can we get past the cap of five or seven or 10 or, or I have to make a million dollars a year on paper to be able to, get to continue to have them lend to me? Or one thing we're seeing now is you don't just need to have a bunch of income. You now have to have life insurance and you have to have a stock portfolio because these banks want you to be diversified. And so it's sitting there going, well, what cap are we possibly going to hit when we get into the 50, the 100, the 200, the $500 million in holdings? You can't just have one asset class if you're sticking to an individual bank. 
Right. And so what we're doing is now we pay private lenders instead of paying two, three or four percent, we'll pay seven, eight or nine percent. And then we're paying additional private lenders to lend us at hard money. And that's where it's uh, even a higher interest rate, whether it be second mortgage or it be a promissory note. And then we, we lever these things over what they would typically be worth, but with the idea of the fact that we're buying for three, putting a hundred in, and now it's worth five and the lender gets all their money back with interest. And then once they do, and I heard this when I first got into to the education piece, once that lender gets their $400,000 back with their interest, they tell you, I don't want it back. Yeah, exactly. You go find another property because you're my money machine right now. And when you stop buying, borrowing from me, my money machine turns off. And so now we are the guys that are building that money machine. So instead of having a joint venture partner that puts their capital in and, and shares in the upside, but also the downside, if there's a market shift or anything like that, they get hit by the downside of the, the after repair value. Well, now we all, they only get the upside of the, of the guaranteed return. So there's a little more, there's a different sense of security for that hard money lender and knowing I'm going to get 8%, I'm going to get 10%, whatever that may be. And if these guys end up collapsing or something happens, then they get the property. Right. And so there's two different options that they have, but most of the time they're going to get the money out of it. Whereas these, these other lenders that are joint venturing in a traditional form of a money partner, if we refinance the property and we were planning on getting 500, but we only get 450, then they don't get their 400 out right away. They have to wait longer for that money to come out. All right. So you're using one lender for the purchase of the property. You're using a, typically another lender for the renovation of the property. Sounds like you're kind of doing a burr type, you're doing a burr is basically what you're doing, right? So yeah. now the first lender, aren't they typically, are, are you getting these properties significantly under market value or are they just basically loaning to you based on the after repaired value? A combination of both. So it depends on, I mean, we've, we've trans, we, most of our lending came from one individual, mm -hmm. one individual broker. And since then we've actually found a few others that love our model and see what we're doing. And instead of doing, a first mortgage rate and then a prom note rate, we'll do a blended rate. So they'll actually say, you know what, the house you're saying is worth 500,000. It's only 300,000 now. I'll register the mortgage at 500,000. So you can't put someone in second position. And that blocks that. And then they'll either do draws on completions or on renovation pieces, or they'll give us 120% loan to value. And if we need additional, we have to go back to them with other collateral or we'll go back to them. But we've already been registered. We get an appraisal and it says it's now worth 350 and they're willing to lend a little bit more. So there's a couple of options on what that would look like. And we're, I, I think that's the piece where I like to be creative with to mm -hmm. say, what is a win-win for everyone? How are we going to get the property long-term? How are we going to make the money that we're going to get, get? And how is that private lender also going to get the return that they're ideally living off of. And, and a lot of these private lenders, it's their retirement. It's, yeah. I had money in my RSP getting two or three or 4%, but I can self-direct it and lend it to you and get eight or nine or 10 and I can retire three years faster. Right. And how long are the typically, what's, what's your turnaround time on, on one of these kind of properties typically Dylan? It sounds like you well, got a machine going, but yeah, I guess that's, that's also part of the under the water piece that we had to learn while doing it in trial by fire. Cause we started getting all these corporations. We started adding all these properties to corporations and our accountant would say, Oh, well you pick the amount of properties you want, but you need to have multiple corporations. And so we ended up going about 20 properties, 15 to 20 properties per corp. Well, the problem would be that if we start filtering four week or six week cosmetic renovations of a duplex, that's already duplex and we don't want to do any permits on it four to six weeks, just clean it up and then refinance it. But we combine that with a, 
a full gut, adding a second story on, doing underpinning, repairing foundation work that's going to take three months for a minor variance to begin with, plus six months of completion. Well, now I have a property that was six weeks to completion, or probably was nine months to completion. So we've always done one year term and one year loans, but now since we've gone through it a couple of times, we're getting a lot smarter with placement on our corporation of where it goes. So I, I spend a lot of my time on the back end now saying, okay, well, how long is this renovation? Oh, it's four to six weeks. Great. Then it's going to be an ABC core. Right. Well, this one requires permits. It's an XYZ core. And so we base the corporations on when the refinance is going to come through now. And so we're actually in the process of opening another 10 corporations to ensure that we only have properties that are like terms. So a property in one city that's a the due permit is all the same in one corporation. Good problem to have, right? I mean, all this, uh, all this kind of stuff you have to figure out as you go along. Very, very cool, Dylan. I appreciate you kind of painting the picture there. Yeah, now I'm, I'm understanding how you're able to scale up. Now, do you guys have like your, at, at this point with your the volume of properties you're talking about, because it sounds like a huge chunk of your portfolio is single family homes, correct? You've got some multis as well, but. A lot of what we buy is single family homes, but they don't usually end as single family homes. And that's one, I guess, one disagreeing point that my business partner and I may have is he's like, well, this is actually better for single family. I'm like, I don't ever want a single family. So we buy some of them a single family and if it's a permit process or that refinance on the corp, if it's going to delay it three months and it's going to cost us eight properties waiting to refinance because it's not completed yet, then we will obviously leave them as a single family temporarily, but most of them are two, three, and four units. And we have started buying more buildings recently. I mean, that's where a lot of the, the doors have come from. We don't have 300 houses. So it's, it's about 100 properties total and about 300 doors. Cool. Very, very cool. So do you have your own construction and reno teams or are you still kind of subcontracting that out because it sounds like you're you're at the stage now where you could pretty much be running your own construction firm as well <laughs> and, and we, yeah we are so my real estate as an agent business yeah. has a number of investors that we work with and i've always prioritized investors ahead of myself so if i'm working with someone they get first dibs. if they end up letting it go into conditional period i'm probably gonna buy it Mm -hmm. But then that's where I have my own construction company with my own construction partner that does a lot of that, a lot of those projects. And then my business partner for the investments, he has a whole in-house staff. There's about 15 of them now that are all in-house with property management, site managers, architects, bookkeepers, like everyone is in-house and he actually has an office in Burlington that they're housed out of a large office. They're looking to expand very shortly. And we do have some in-house contractors that do some of our minor stuff. But when it comes to like a foundation specialist, we're, we're playing with that. So as we continue to grow, based on the amount of work we have, we're looking at even bringing in an in-house electrician or an in-house plumber. And mm -hmm. if we have enough work for those people, which we're getting very close to doing, then yes, everything's going to be in-house. And it's, okay. it's just one big machine that, that drives the whole thing. Awesome. What if, if you don't mind sharing, what are your, you and your partner's goals for the next, I don't know, what's the big picture where you guys, you're rocking and rolling with this. Where, where do you want to get it to? So I, I was always under the understanding that it was 100 million. And now I'm talking to him and it's now 150 million on the year, which would it be, I thought it was 125 more houses and now it's 150 more houses. So he wants to buy and close 150 houses from now. So the end of July to the end, to the end of 2020. And then next year's goal will be 250 million and a five-year goal will be a billion in holdings. So the goal is to have a billion dollars in real estate holdings. And what I'm really finding a passion in is buildings. I'm loving going to the larger multis right now and I'm spending a ton of my time investing into knowledge and understanding on these multis and a lot of connections because we're not going to do the same model with buildings. But I, I think that it's going to be a lot easier to get to a, a billion dollars in holdings when we start buying 
five or 10 or $15 million buildings. And one of our mutual friends, Stefan, he actually challenged me this year to buy a hundred unit building. So that's my biggest goal this year personally is to buy a hundred, hundred unit building or bigger. And that means a lot to me right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dylan, if people are wanting to find out more about you, what you're up to, perhaps get some help with, with finding some properties because you're in, you're into this head on and you're also a, a, a realtor and you help other investors find properties as well. What's the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, you can reach out through obviously my email address. You can reach out to info at elevationrealty.ca and I can share that with you if you want to share in the notes. Yeah. You can reach out to us by phone at 905-592-5220 or you can reach out to my office at 905-844-7788. And you can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, that will be scaling up as well. And I'd love to have a conversation on either a whole with a wholesaler having off market opportunities or sellers looking to, to clear out inventory, whether it be buildings or a bunch of properties they've had that are underdeveloped or someone looking to, to kind of break through to the next level of real estate investing and, and scale their portfolio, whether it be from three to five or five to 50. So awesome. Very good. Dylan, thank you very much. I appreciate you filling in all the blanks there for us and congratulations on what you and your partner have accomplished and all the best. I, I look forward to seeing where this takes you over the next few years. It's exciting stuff. Thank you very much, Dave. Really appreciate having me on. All right, everybody take care and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.